to The Content Lab, the weekly podcast for content marketers about the strategies and tools you need to create addictive content your audience will love. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, Impact's Director of Web and Interactive Content. Well, it is another episode of The Content Lab podcast, and I am super stoked because this is an all-lady episode. What, what? Yeah. (laughs) And I have two fabulous women with me today who, they are so amazing. I'm not even going to bother introducing them. They need to introduce themselves. Ladies, who are you? What do you do? Awesome. Um, I'm Kaylee Greff. Um, I am the uh, senior content marketing and, uh, you know, marketing manager for Verblio. Um, And we are an online platform for freelancers uh, and small businesses and marketing agencies to connect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Alexa. I'm uh, the operations manager for Verblio. And I actually started with the platform as a freelance writer. Uh, So I've got a whole bunch of fun uh, content uh, ideas to share, I think, today. <laughs> yeah, I am really excited about the topic that we're going to be talking about today because I think it's one that can be a bit of a landmine for people. Like, it takes yeah. us back to out like traumatic days in middle school and high school. But before <laughs> we get to that, so Verblio, I love the name, but that actually wasn't your name until very mm-hmm. recently. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, we were, our previous evolution was Blogmut. Um, which is just the most fun thing to pronounce and to actually, you know, get people to understand saying first time. Uh, So yeah, recently in October last year, uh, we rebranded to Verblio. um, And essentially, like a lot of our foundational aspects are the same. Like we are, you know, still really wanting to find uh, opportunities for writers to find people to write for online. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a really big re-evolution and uh, took a lot of work. um, And we're really excited about uh, what we've been rolling out. We've also, yeah, just expanded our product base and everything. So it's just, it's been such a fun experience. Yeah. And you actually wrote uh, an article for us on impact. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure to link in the show notes, which goes all of the different lessons you guys learned as you were going through that blog mutt to Verblio transition as a re- with a rebrand. Yeah, yeah. So if any of you listeners out there are interested in learning from the trenches what it's really like to go through a top to bottom rebrand, that, that is a must read for you guys. But we're not here to talk about rebrands. No. We're here to talk about the devil, the worst of the worst of the content creation world. And that is outlining dun 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 yeah <laughs> yeah show of hands how many people in this tiny call were in middle school and high school forced to do outlines before we wrote essays and we were just like why yeah all three of us nope, thank, nope. thank you very much <laughs> it was just the worst wasn't it like you just had to do all this work and it wasn't even the thing you were being graded on it was even worse though if I mean, I feel like there were a couple instances where I kind of snuck through and I just did the work and I left the outline in the dust. But it was worse when you had those teachers who were like, I have to see your outline a week before. Here's the deadline for your outline. And then I'll let you know if I actually want you to write it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, judge, judge me based on these like few words I threw on this page and I'll do the thinking later kind of thing. <laughs> I know. And the worst part is though, like now outlining is back, 
right? So we were able to escape it. We got out of middle school and high school and we went to college and maybe some of our professors made us do outlining, but for the most part, they're like, give us the essay, give yeah. us the 20 pages on whatever it is that you're majoring in and it's fine. And now we're back in this professional world where the horror of outlining has returned because whether you're insourcing your content or outsourcing it, not outhousing, like I said, when we were prepping <laughs> a bathroom, whether you're doing it either way, we found that some of the most successful content organizations uh, involve outlining of some kind in their process. And the challenge there is, is that a lot of people don't want to do it. It comes back to the same thing that I think you guys are used to seeing with content creation, right? It feels like homework. You know, everybody knows they need to create the content that they just want it to like appear. Yeah. And the same thing happens with outlining. Like, why do I need to create an outline for something I'm an expert in, in order to write an article that I already know how to answer? And so I want to throw this first question out there to you and say, do, is outline really a necessary step for every piece of content people create for content marketing purposes? Yes. Really? Yeah. I don't like you. This, this conversation. <laughs> no, go ahead. It works for everyone. It's so fun. Um, I, know. <laughs> I think it's just a good practice to really think through what you might want the structure of a piece to be and what the objectives of a piece should be. Because when I think about like a product announcement piece, for example, like that could take any number of different objectives. Like, do you want to talk about the nuts and bolts of this product? Do you want to talk about, you know, getting attention from journalists? Like that sort of approach will be quite different um, versus, you know, just, you know, educating your own customer base about what's new in, in the platform. So, you know, for us specifically, um, but certainly, you know, if you have something like that, it can take a number of different directions and you do want to align on what, what's the goal of this? Like, what is the bottom line? Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I would even go on to say that we, you know, the way we just talked about outlines for middle school and high school, it was this idea of it had to be the exact, like you already knew the structure, you knew um, point by point what was following uh, what in the cycle. Uh, whereas I think now for content marketing, the outlines that we use and we've discovered like, yes, we really do need it for everything just kind of comes down to a few really key basic takeaways. You know, you can really kind of bullet it. You can maybe throw in a couple of header ideas. You don't have to do that, you know, like, hour and a half pre-plan your essay and like impress the teacher with exactly how far ahead you've thought. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a lot simpler, I think, than most people now tend to think about it. And it's just hard to wrap, wrap your brain around this sort of like simplified outline and how, you know, just 20 minutes of thought, as Kaylee said earlier, she was saying, you know, I'll, I'll do an outline in 20 minutes. That's the time I need. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, that's really it. As long as you think through it beforehand, that's the starting point for great content. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you put it that way because while part of me just, even though I knew what the answer was, I knew what the answer was about whether or not outlines are required for every piece of content. My body still kind of like, like collapsed, like, like uh, I don't want to do that thing. Um, but you brought up a really good point about making sure that everybody's aligned on what the goal is of a piece. And it reminds me of this thing that we used to talk about in a communications class I took um, a few years ago where we talk about 
what are called finding shared definitions where people will say the same word and then it turns out they mean the exact opposite thing to that individual person. So one of the most important things you do in those types of communication scenarios is make sure that you come to agreement and say, but by the way, when we say this word, what is it exactly that we're agreeing on? Or I'm saying this, do you mean the same thing? Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing can be true for when you're talking about you're creating content for um, a blog article or a white paper or a piece of pillar content or however you actually want to, whatever it is that you're attacking. Because if you're the writer and in your head, you might say, well, this is how I would be answering that question or addressing that topic. And you're working with your content manager or your writer or whomever it is that you're working with. They're on the other end going, well, strategically actually, is this what we should be doing? And then vice versa, you might have the subject matter expert pushing back and saying, you know, well, is that really how we want to be addressing it? I know from my frontline experience with customers and potential buyers, et cetera, et cetera. And that allows you to have those conversations before you write 1,500 to 3,000 words on whatever topic it is that you're doing. Because there is, while it can feel like an extra step, especially if it's just like, check the box, your outline is dope and there's no, there are no changes that need to be made. It's the moments where it prevents you from writing something that ends up being worthless, where you have to redo the effort. Um, that's when you'll be glad that you do it. You'll be glad in those moments where somebody says, you know what, that second point, I'm not really 100% sure about that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that happens, I want people to think to themselves, wow, imagine if I had already written this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You put so much stake in a final piece. And if you don't kind of go through those steps to get buy-in from like, you know, internal stakeholders, like it is sort of like a buy buying in process where you're saying, okay, what's our goal for this? Like, is it truly just SEO for this one? Mm -hmm. Or is our goal to, you know, highlight this thought leader who has this really specific personality? And that's, that's enough for us for this piece. And there's just, there's an array of different ways to approach it. But yeah, if you're not aligning on that goal to begin with, you, you're going to be pulling, you know, pulling strings to try to get people to share it uh, internally even, or, or just get, you know, if you don't have the buy-in internally, then externally things are going to get more difficult almost. So yeah, it's a, it's a good, you know, formative step to be sure to, to cover. So here's the other thing that you mentioned that I really like too, is that people need to kind of set aside what they think an outline needs to look like, because what an outline is for one person, just using impact as an example, yeah. my outline looks very different from somebody else's outline. So for example, we have people who really like to get in deep with their outlines because they're, maybe they're a newer writer, or maybe it's a topic they're not really familiar with. So they almost use an outline like a gathering place, you know, yeah. like, this is all the information I'm going to put in there. So it may end up being more than like two pages, but for them, it makes sense because they feel like they have the ability to then just put everything together in a way that makes sense, like, a, like an article or whatever format it's going into. For me, sometimes my outlines are six bullets. Mm -hmm. It'll be like intro, tell this story, yeah. then talk about how it's not bad and then talk about how to do it and then talk about how to not do it. And then my conclusion is going to tell them to do this thing. Mm -hmm. No, like it will literally just be that. So that way I can align with our head of editorial content, Ramona, you know, and just say, Hey, this is just overarching where I'm planning on going. Yeah. That usually is something I see with people who are a little bit more evolved. And that usually comes out of having a very close relationship with your content manager or whomever your editorial point person is, because mm -hmm. they know your thinking, they know your way of writing, but you can get to that point. And that's something I can crank out in like five minutes. 
sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just so we're all aligned saying like, this is where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. And I would, I would, I find it really interesting. I think that your two examples of outlines um, saying that writers who maybe are creating longer outlines is more of a gathering place. Um, I feel that that type of outline obviously can be so um, impactful and really valuable. But for me, if that's the outline that you would create if you're not giving it, like, let's say to, if you're outsourcing, that's not the type of outline you would give to another writer. No, 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 no. That's like writing for yourself. Exactly. That's like for you, you're writing that outline. You're the writer who's going to finish this piece. Whereas, um, you know, if you are using a freelancer, if you put all that time into it and you're really micromanaging what you think that block should be in the end, you're at a point where like you should write it yourself because the chances of that freelancer meeting your expectations will just be slim to none. And also you literally probably could have written it in the time you put all that effort into it. Cause I agree with you. I think you bring up a good point. There's a very big difference between the type of outline you give to a writer and the outline that you're creating for yourself that you're collaborating internally on with somebody else. Like somebody else needs to check that box and say, yes, you're not an insane person and you can write about it this way. (laughs) So let's talk about the differences. So you, you mentioned at the start of this Alexa, that you, you have a unique background and you're bringing a unique set of experiences that I don't think a lot of people get to hear about very often where you started as a freelance writer and then you came in-house to Verblio. So what is it that people should be including in their outlines when they're working with outsourced writers, whether that's through Verblio's platform or, or elsewhere? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think that the, the customers who have been uh, the most successful and have been the most happy with their pieces are the ones that can kind of limit themselves they have a general idea of what the objective of their post is. They have maybe a few key takeaways. They can maybe give you a few resources if they feel like you need some educational um, help to get the right understanding of their business or their industry, their model. Um, But I almost feel like less is more if you're outsourcing because if, if you overload a writer, especially if it's through a platform like Verblio where you don't necessarily have direct communication, um, if you overload them with like, you know, three pages of this Google Doc and it needs to be written from the vo- viewpoint of our CEO and it needs to match, um, you know, this specific tone that we did in this blog we wrote three months ago, you know, that's when the writer will kind of take a step back and go, is this something I want to jump into? Cause it, it's already feels so micromanaged that if you, you know, give a submission and you do a finished piece, you almost feel like, all right, I'm going to get so many edits back on this because it was just almost too specific what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky line to walk because, uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And I say this being on the flip side of it, because I used to be the content manager at Quintine and we used outsourcing services just to create a network of freelance writers that we knew we could rely upon. Because one of the things that agencies can't do effectively is build like a deep bench of content writers in house. They generally speaking, unless they have the ability to do that, are either saying to their clients, you know, hey, you really need to own your content creation, which personally I think is the best path, 
Yeah. They're building out that network in order to rely upon it. But my, my point is that we did have some interesting cases though, where I would agree that our outlines were fairly light, but what I did try to do is in the cases where we, I was creating content that where it was meant to be ghostwritten. So I would interview a subject matter expert and it was supposed to be made with their byline mm-hmm. is I would just give them an audio recording of the interview. I would yeah. give them some examples and say like this, these are like our best in class if we have a content style guide in play, which by the end of my tenure, everybody had a content style guide. <laughs> don't leave home without one. Right. We only have one because of you, Liz. We followed your guide. <laughs> really? Oh yes, my gosh, you did? Yes. Did work? Wait, okay. Total sidebar. Did it work? <laughs> yes. It's, it's been great. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it is, it is life-changing. So thank you so much. <laughs> Kayla, you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to talk about that separately. That is great. so exciting. I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway, yes. great. So <laughs> I include the content style guide. I include some best in class examples. And what I'll also do is include examples of like, these are other articles that have been written under this gentleman or, or, or woman's name. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree that there are going to be cases where you really want to give your writer that creative freedom and say like, you know, this is the topic, this is the general audience that we're going for. And this is really the goal of the piece and some of the things we'd like to see included, you know, Mm -hmm. basically give them the building blocks to create something, but you have to walk that line when you're doing something that's supposed to be ghostwritten. Yeah. That's where it gets a little bit trickier because you then have someone on the other end going, well, I'm picky because it's me. Yeah. That yeah. Get, that's a whole other. Absolutely. There is, there's a level of trust in kind of handing off that kind of uh, ghost written aspect of what you do. It's like, okay, I, what can I do to download my brain to bring you into my, you know, brand and my, you know, thought leadership. Um, and, and I think an important part to, to add about kind of the Verblio system is that we do have like that first umbrella of like understanding the brand and what your audience is and kind of given that in context with your, your requests or like what you need to write about your outlines, uh, mm-hmm. that gives us a pretty good picture. But yeah, it's like, you know, a matter of getting all those pieces is, is really essential to write a piece of content that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other hallmarks, Alexa, that you would say of great outlines when you're giving them to writers. So we've talked about the fact that essentially what you would want to do is you don't want to give them a micromanagey set of instructions. You basically want to give them the outlines of the sandbox that they get to play in. Mm. But what are some of the essential components that build out that sandbox, that build out those boundaries so they know what they need to be doing and, and also most importantly what they shouldn't be doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I would say, you know, starting off any outline, um, especially for an outside sourced writer with just your objective. Um, here is, you know, the title we're thinking of for this piece. And here is what we want to convey to our audience, um, as well as who the audience is for this particular piece. Um, I think that's an absolutely great starting point. Um, and, you know, typically you're coming up with a title or the topic idea that you're sending off to the writer pretty well encompasses, you know, if it's like an X ways to do this kind of article, the writer will know exactly what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier, but just a few kind of key takeaway bullet points, um, not necessarily micromanaging exactly what headers you want to see. I would definitely say if you have header ideas that you'd like to see, just throw them in there, but don't, you know, limit the writer to this header must follow this header. Um, you know, unless if it makes sense that it falls in line, the writer will catch it and the writer will know what to do with it. Um, you don't necessarily have to give them the full on, like, 
um, 10 page Lego manual of then you put this piece into this one. And then at the end, you've built yourself your little like Lego Hogwarts. <laughs> but, uh, Amazing. Yeah, you know, I really think it's it comes mostly down to the key takeaways. So especially if you're hoping to have a writer maybe create something that's more along the lines of the thought leadership piece, give them your big thought leader moments. Don't have, let them kind of flail around trying to figure out what it is you want to say. Um, so yeah, just, just, uh, objective for sure. The title audience, what you're trying to do with the piece, um, definitely the key takeaways, um, and resources. I mean, you know, the more kind of other blogs, um, and educational, um, reliable resources you can share with the writer to let them know, you know, oh, maybe I'd like to see an external link to this, or, you know, this blog really well demonstrates kind of um, what we do and, you know, just keep it fairly simple like that. Um, and then yes, add in a few don'ts. If you really think there's something you're worried the writer might cover and go rogue with. Um, I think it's always super helpful to bullet. Like these are our competitors. Do not talk about them. Uh, that's like the big one. The other yeah. thing I also like to include too, especially when it comes to competitors, like often when we're doing when we're doing some of our keyword ranking strategies, we'll we'll take a look at what the top ten are, mm -hmm. and we'll say like, here are the top three. We want to be better than these three. <laughs> these are our targets to be better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even care if you link them and then say they are wrong. Like whatever it is that we need to do to be better than that, then that's what we need to do. So I think there is a case sometimes for including that because it's interesting the way we talk about outlines for ourselves versus outlines for outsourced writers. And we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about outlining for ourselves here in just a moment. Mm -hmm. But my final thought on this is really understanding that whenever I think about outlining for myself, it is literally just this insulated thing where I'm working out the structure of a piece I'm writing for me. Mm -hmm. But when I'm working on an outline for an outsourced resource, a writer, a, maybe it's even someone internally. Maybe I have that yeah. content manager who I'm working with really closely internally, which everyone should have a content manager. I'm just yep. putting that out there. I've written about it. I'll put it in the show notes. You got to have one. You might have someone you're working with like that. And what you need to do is instead of thinking about it like a structure of information, it's almost like you're creating a package. Like this is the package of everything you need to be successful. This is a general overarching outline, some of the things that we're looking for, the goals, but then here are resources. By the way, here are examples of things that we really like. This is the list of stuff you want to make sure you don't include. This is our content style guide, but if it's your content manager, they'll already have it. You know, you're essentially giving them the tools to be successful not a micromanagey overview of an insulated document. You yeah. need to give them everything they need to be successful. And the nice thing is that at first it'll feel kind of clunky. You're like, okay, I gotta do this and I gotta remember that. But after a while it becomes like super easy. Mm -hmm. Like when I used to send stuff out to our writers, I'd be like, here's the recording, here are the general notes. But sometimes I would just say, just listen to the recording. We talk about it in the exact order that we're gonna be covering it in here. Yeah. Here are some resources, here are things you need to know and ship. We're gone. We're done. Yeah. It's really like content can feel like, you know, in-house um, or, you know, any, anybody who's really writing a piece of content for you, if it is in-house, if it is a, a freelancer, like 
it can feel like being on an island. And so if you like kind of throw somebody a raft and, and kind of give them the tools that it takes to bridge the gap between the two of you, like everyone feels a little bit more at home and a little bit more taken care of. And, and it also, you know, selfishly as a content manager, it's like, it takes out of the excuses from the equation. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, you have, you have everything. Like I'm empowering you to, to take, you know, take the plunge and, and do this piece of content. And in doing that, you know, you get all of the great in-house expertise that you have. And you, you've also empowered somebody to write a piece and they're like, you know, so excited once they get it done. So it's, it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people just need to understand that writing is a process. Creating content is a process. And I think for a while there it used to be that you could just create something and it would be serviceable and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're at this interesting inflection point in our industry where, you know, we've been talking about needing content managers for a few years. We've been talking about the fact that, you know, good enough content doesn't cut it anymore. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about these things kind of passively, but I think we're now at a point of urgency where people need to understand that you can't just think of content as something that happens within your marketing team. You need a content organization. You need to understand that it's not just about creating content. There are processes. It's the same. It's like, I'm always amazed at the amount of thought and review and outlining and all of these process steps that people are willing to go through for like an email campaign or a strategy, but for content, they just don't want to do it. They just want it to appear. And it's like, the content is the most important thing, according to all of you, like to, according to every inbound or content marketing blog I have ever read, content is apparently the most important thing, but it is the thing that people just wash their hands up and say like, I don't want to see an outline. I just want it to happen. I just want it to be right the first time. And would you ever apply that kind of logic to your email marketing campaigns or your lead scoring or mm-hmm. anything else that you do under marketing? Yeah. That was yeah. A- I had feelings. They've been in no. there so long. <laughs> so sorry. I, I was like nodding emphatically. I'm like, yes, preach. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. It blows my mind. I get that it feels like homework, but we're adults. Get over it. Anyway, <laughs> end of rant. People are also just like stuck in that. Because I mean, when we were blog month, the whole idea was like, you're getting content. It's 250 words of blog every week. doesn't really matter what the quality it is. It doesn't really matter, you know, if you have an outline. We just want you to have content. And I wonder if people are just like stuck in that world and they don't want to like move forward with like content strategy and SEO as we're seeing like the long form content is more important. Being organized, having your content manager is more important. And everyone's just like, no, 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 that's too much work. We did it this way and it was really easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you didn't get great results, did you? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right. It's so point now where you just, you have to hire for those people. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the reason it feels so hard is because it is, and people go to school for it and dedicate their careers to it. And don't worry, if you hire the right people, you'll still have to like use your brain and think and have moments where you go, man, is that the right word? Like, we'll never be able to take away the feeling of content feeling like work because mm-hmm. everything feels like work creating email campaigns, creating social media, it all feels like work. That never goes away. But if you have the right people in place to govern those processes, whether you're working with a place like Verblio or you're being smart and also hiring a content manager and working toward that point, you know, those are the people who are going to help own that process. I think a lot of the challenges you see with these, with these processes and where they break down is where they try to decentralize them too much. Nobody owns it. But that is a whole different topic. So let's, let's bring it back. I'm going to bring myself back in. 
I have a lot of thoughts about that topic too. Oh so my God. Basically, talk about I will see you next week and then the week after, and we're just going to keep talking. Great. Um, so let's talk about creating outlines for ourselves. So we talked a lot about what we do with our outsourced outlines where we're working with writers or we're working with a content manager internally to get that stuff done. What are some of the hallmarks of successful outlines for ourselves? For me, one of the most important things, I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist, so kind of getting started on an outline and just like diving right in, like headlong, like do not try to write a little bit of an intro, like just literally put an intro bullet and get to the meat of the post as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and so for me, a lot of times that takes the form of like a table of contents at the top of a piece, which you can then, you know, hyperlink if it's long and you can, you know, jump around as needed. But for me, it's like, I have this like running timer in my head where I'm like, I need to just get the words on the paper and I need to write it in 20 minutes. So yeah, that was something that Alexa was mentioning earlier is like an outline for me takes 20 minutes, no matter what, what piece it is, no matter who it's for, like it cannot take longer than that. Um, and in doing that, it kind of like, you know, gives you that kind of editing mentality where, you know, something is, you're, you're kind of at that level where it's like really broad strokes, overview, not so like in the weeds, nitty gritty, like concrete details. So that's super important for me writing an outline for anyone uh, and especially myself. Um, and another piece for me that's, that's really big is, you know, having those resources to, to call on just to see what's already out there. But um, thinking broadly about the headers that exist, like thinking about the story arc that you can kind of craft, I think that's where great content comes into play. Like really high quality content does have that kind of storytelling arc, no matter what it is. Like even if it's a listicle, you kind of have to hit on, you know, build the tension a little bit as you go and then kind of hit a point and say, okay, well, we've got, you know, we've got a solution. We've got, uh, you know, a good way to do it. Um, so that's something that, you know, even across headers, like even if I have a little bit of an idea of that, I still need to flow to it. Like you were saying, Liz, where it's like, what should you do? What shouldn't you do? And it's like kind of giving you that, that natural balance of as you go. And that's one great approach to do it. So that's something that I always think a lot about. And then of course, like the CTA and the objective overall, like who I'm speaking to and why they need to read this or why, you know, essentially what are they trying to get uh, to the heart of the piece and understand. Um, so, so yeah, those are the ones that are the big critical pieces for me. Also, of course, SEO keywords, like you know, once you're kind of in it and you need to work those in, uh, of course, you should know those on the front end and work them in at naturally. But um, also for the headers, it's, you know, you need to include those in headers. And so being creative, but not compromising the, the storytelling arc is, is key. And for me, it's formative at the outline level. Yeah, I'm completely opposite. Uh, when I'm outlined, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I outline for myself, I am the world's worst outliner. I will like fess up to that, you know, no problem. I, I left it all behind in middle and high school. I was just like, enough of this crap. I want to write by the seat of my pants. Just like, like feel it, get in the groove. Um, so when I tend to outline for myself, um, and actually, I recently did a, a post. Um, for remoter.co uh, where I was kind of talking about how I manage my remote team. And this was a piece that I had kind of Kaylee as my content manager sort of eagle eye edit. Um, but it was very much, uh, you know, I kind of made a big paragraph of what do I want to cover in this post? And then I went and I maybe found some like important studies or um, interesting articles that tied in. And I just like grabbed a couple of external links that I was like, I would like to include these and make points around them. And then from this sort of messy outline, 
what I tend to do with my outlines is I tend to let them exist as an outline and then I continue working in that same document and I just keep expanding upon it until it's an article, which mm -hmm. is not the way to do it. Don't I do, do it. I do that too. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it starts off as just a very messy kind of ranty, like, what do I want to cover? What do I think this piece should be? Um, you know, I still kind of include those key points and objectives, but uh, it starts as a messy, clunky, just bunch of words on a page. And then I sort of break it out um, and, and write around it until it looks more structured than like an article. <laughs> it's so funny. It, 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 I think we're really highlighting the fact that, you know, especially when, when you're talking about the outlines that you give to your outsourced or your, your writers or your content managers, they're really going to kind of follow the same structure and format because that person is going to come to expect something specific. But when you're writing outlines for yourself, it really will take on the form of whatever it's going to be a blend. First of all, is somebody else seeing this or is it an exercise for you? If somebody else is seeing it, you kind of have to make it so other people can understand what the words are on a page. Yeah. Sometimes my outlines are like, tell that story for me. It's great. <laughs> this is when you read that remote be like, so what happened to you? Great. <laughs> you know? um, but it, it will take on the form of whatever makes the most sense to you and, and the purpose of it existing. Mm -hmm. um, because Alexa, I kind of have the same thing. You know, I, I look at outlines from other people and then there are the outlines for myself and there's a drastic difference between them. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I want to be like, do as I say, not as I do. This is a mess. <laughs> but you bring up a good point, both of you actually do, about something I like to say was don't try to be Hemingway on the first try because yeah. I'm pretty sure Hemingway wasn't Hemingway on the first try like mm -hmm. it takes edits and revisions and time to get there and I think the funny thing about content is that it is that iceberg effect right like the end product always looks so purposeful and every word is in the right place and people don't realize how much time it actually takes to get there and often it just starts with quite frankly a big old fat mess <laughs> like it is just like a mess of thoughts and figuring things out. One of the things I like to do is I have this, I, somebody actually told me to reverse engineer the process I use mentally and I never really thought about it. I'm like, this is just the process I use, mm -hmm. but there's a grid I created. It's like a helpful content framework and it has four quadrants and it's what, who, why, and how. And that's how I mentally orient myself before I decide exactly what I want to include in an article. And I think it's particularly helpful for me when I'm trying to tell a story, but essentially the what is that uneditorialized um, topic. It's like SEO mistakes or um, hiring a content manager or whatever that stripped slug is. Maybe it's your long tail keyword. Maybe it's that overarching topic that's specific enough, but it doesn't have the context or editorializing yet. You need to actually give it meat. Mm -hmm. um, then the who is, this is my favorite part because I actually have a small beef with buyer personas. <laughs> I, tend <laughs> I, I, I tend to find them kind of useless. It's this huh. thing that people do at mm -hmm. the beginning of their inbound marketing and yeah. then they put them in a drawer and then they go away never to be seen or heard from again. <laughs> the, problem is, the problem with them is this. First of all, the, they talk about challenges and goals in very broad terms, like who they are at their job function and level, which is important, but these are the things 
we should all already intrinsically know about our buyers and our, our ideal customers. We know these things. Mm -hmm. But when I talk about the who in the context of my little grid, I then get very specific to that topic. So once I know what my what is, then I'm like, okay, who is the person that's asking about this? Okay, what is that place that they're coming from emotionally? Are they trying to accomplish a goal, but like in a positive way? Are they having a problem? Is there a fear? Like what is, what's the inflection point for them? What is that sense of urgency? What is their mental posture that they're likely coming to with this? Yeah. And then once I understand that, I'm like, okay, so what is the context around that? How in their word, words would they say, I help them? Like what does success mean to them in their words by the time that I get to this? Mm -hmm. Then the why is like, okay, so who, who the heck am I? Who the mm -hmm. H double hockey sticks am I to be talking about this? Yeah. And that'll yeah. usually be some combination of experience, either just like I've literally been doing this for 10 years or I've been doing this for 10 years and I have a story about it, or I've been doing this for 10 years. And I made a lot of mistakes about it. Like it's mm -hmm. basically bringing myself like the human me and my personal self to it. And then once I understand that, what, that, who, and my why, then it's like, okay, so if I know what I'm talking about, who it is that I'm talking to and why they care about this, what I bring to the table, the why me, okay, so how exactly am I going to help them? And that almost is like a, like a, like a, like a pre outline. It's like, well, I, I got to tell them the things and I got to tell them the things that they need to do better. And I need to tell them the, like, by the way, don't do these things. And then I kind of move on my way. So that's like a little mental exercise that I take myself through five minutes of. And then from there, that's when I do the garbage outline, which is like introduction, that story from eighth grade where you were a terrible writer and LOL. And then, it's, you, know, you know, content creation doesn't have to be that bad or whatever the topic is. And that kind of goes from there. So it really is a mental exercise for yourself. And you need to obviously, again, identify who is going to see this outline. Like, is it, if it's just for you, then like, dude, you don't need to write a novel to remind yourself of the things you already know. Just focus on getting the architecture right and making sure that like, if you need to gather data points in, like you're coming across articles, like throw the links in there, just whatever it is that you need to spark that memory. If it's for somebody else, like, like set the expectation or ask them, like, do you want complete sentences? Like are incomplete sentence bullets fine? Like, I just need to know, like, what is the threshold of like not work that I have to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Best for you really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's super interesting. I love that framework that you shared. I like thinking about the posture of how someone is like oriented and like just mm -hmm. thinking about connecting with them on that super emotional level. Like even if you you know, in, in concept, understand who they are, like knowing what they're approaching with. And I think some of that can be answered with some of the keywords. Sometimes, you know, now they're becoming much more kind of like long tail questions. And so you can get a sense of kind of where they're coming at it, like in terms of their, you know, disposition and, and, and their opinion about it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a whole layer that I haven't explored yet. I'm, I'm excited to implement that. Well, think about it. Oh, well, I'll put the link in the show notes and Kaylee, I will send you the link directly. It is a very yeah. long rambling thing. Cause one day I was like, I am just getting this all out of my brain and putting it on paper because <laughs> people have been asking me about it for a while. But that's where I think buyer personas can be a bit of a disservice because I'll actually notice in outlines people are like, oh, and it's to this buyer persona, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, whether that they're doing it for themselves or they're doing it for a writer or their content manager, they're like, oh, and it goes to this person. And then you actually take a look at the buyer persona and under challenges, it'll be like, oh, it's hard. Cause like their budget's small and they're like asked to do a lot with a little. It's like, well, okay, who, 
who isn't asked to do that. Right. Uh, but right. it's nothing specific. It's like, so, okay, I'm supposed to be writing to CEO Craig about content managers, but these broad, high level, 80,000 foot view challenges and goals tell me nothing about how they feel about this thing. Yeah. Because when you really dig into it, if we're using like hiring a content manager as an example, the buyer persona isn't going to tell me the thing I need to know, which I can like think about like for two seconds and figure out it's that he cares about this because he's annoyed he's being asked to hire this because he doesn't want to invest before he sees return on investment. So really what you're doing is you're making the case. Mm -hmm. You're explaining the business case of hiring a content manager. Mm-hmm. Because why should I hire a content manager is one question that you will give different answers to depending on who you're asking. The yeah. CEO is going to need a different answer than a VP of marketing versus a digital marketer who quite frankly doesn't want to give up more of their job or wants to understand what it is that this person is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think buyer personas, and I know I'm harping on this very specifically, but when it comes to outlines, your buyer persona, just throwing a link to whatever it is in HubSpot or that PDF document you haven't looked at in six months, like literally no one opens it. You need to basically answer, why do they care about this topic for them? What is their selfish reason for understanding it? You know what I mean? I know I'm spending a lot of time on buyer personas and when this topic is about outlines, but they are very much connected together because what I see all the time, whether we're talking about an outline that goes to your content manager or your outsourced writer, or you're doing it for yourself, or you're doing it for your content manager so they can see you're not like being a dum-dum about a piece of content, is they'll just put like, oh, and the buyer persona is this. And it'll link out to HubSpot or it'll link out to that PDF that nobody's looked at in six months, but it gives you no context. So what you really need to be doing is like, still fine. If you want to keep using your buyer personas, fine. I'm not going to like, this is not a hill I'm going to die on, but (laughs) sit there and have a a contextual discussion with yourself. And every outline should say, this is the person we're talking to. Why do they care? Mm -hmm. And And it really isn't strong enough as, as something in and of itself. Like it's just, you know, if, if someone's on a pricing page, that is when they are thinking about budget. But every other time, it's just like, you need to dig in deeper and really understand what their pain point is. Exactly, like that's the thing I think people don't really get. Like outlining becomes so much easier once you understand why is somebody asking about this? Yeah. Like nobody ever stops and asks why. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, this, this activity works for whether you're talking about like a 600 to 900 word blog article or a 15,000 word pillar. Because we just did a pillar guide a couple of months ago about HubSpot marketing. And that was the only key where we were going after because pillars Mm -hmm. are designed around much more broad umbrella topic keywords because it's meant to be a hub that breaks off into more fractured information about that large, big topic. Mm -hmm. And HubSpot marketing, the first activity I did with Karina who wrote it, and this is the activity I do with everybody else who does a pillar is, okay, who's searching for this and why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it still ends up being this very broad sweeping guide. But what we came down to is somebody's looking that up because they're making a purchasing decision. They've either heard about inbound marketing or their marketing team is talking about marketing automation or HubSpot and blah, blah. And they need to understand what it is and whether or not it's worth it for them. Mm-hmm. They're coming in pretty cold with a keyword like that. They're coming in pretty cold, but they also, there's also some sort of pain point. Because they may be coming, cold in terms, coming in cold in terms of expertise to that topic. 
but there's some sort of pain around what they're doing right now isn't working. It's the only reason they're even considering it. So Mm -hmm. something there is broken. And so those are the types of things you really laser in on when you just answer the simple question of why. It makes everything else so easy. It's like, well, if we understand why they're coming here, then what is it that we need to be talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you just kind of go from there. Anyway, again, end of rant number two. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> so if you were, guys were to give somebody one piece of advice, whether or not they're creating an outline for themselves or they're creating an outline for someone that they're collaborating with, whether it's that writer or internal content manager, what would it be? Mine would be to just get it, get it on the page. Um, and that's how I approach writing in general is to just dive in and do it. You know, if you have, you know, a half an hour between two meetings, get it done then. Like there's no ramp up time. It, you put the page up and you immediately start writing on it. And like I said, like not even writing an intro or anything like that, just start writing words down. And that's when you can start the whole wheel uh, turning and get that momentum. I would say that my piece of advice would be don't overthink it. Um, If you come into your outline and you have like this perfect vision of what this blog should be and you just like hold hold yourself to this insanely high standard Mm -hmm. that like even you can't meet it or certainly your outsourced writer can't meet it. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to find yourself very happy with the work that comes back. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how could people learn more about you to find people and the lovely Verblio? Yeah. Uh, come visit our awesome website, uh, verblio.com. I promise it is a content, beautiful, um, very fun experience to check out the website alone. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can also check out our blog for more works from me and Alexa. Um, we'll be kind of behind the scenes on all that stuff. So um, excited to see and hear from you if, if you want to give feedback. Yeah, and how can people connect with you directly? Like, are you guys on Twitter, Instagram? Mm-hmm. Do you guys prefer carrier pigeons? Do you have any preferences around that? <laughs> I have my carrier pigeon, Howard. He delivers messages to me all the time. <laughs> uh, that was a fantastic pickup and delivery. Like, not even missing a beat, and that deserves recognition. <laughs> yeah, Howard exists. Actually, sure. only via smoke signals, so. Okay, okay, yep. <laughs> Perfect. Um, you can reach me on email, Kaylee, K-A-L-I at verblio.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn a lot, so you can hit up me there too. Yeah. Um, same for me. It's just Alexa at verblio.com if you want to reach out and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and you can, I guess, find me through Verblio. So it's, it's Alexa Beret. Um, yeah. And pretty easy to find, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me this week. I sincerely appreciate it. And sincerely appreciate both of you letting me let out some feelings today. I feel like we got to some really deep places today. Apparently there were some, I had some issues apparently that I just really needed to work through. Um, But for everybody else listening, thank you once again for tuning into the content lab. Um, As you all know, my love language is tell me I'm pretty. So please go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, your carrier pigeon, Howard, whomever it is, tell you know, people, Hey, this is a review of this podcast. Like I want you to go do that because not only again, does that tell me that I'm pretty, it helps people Mm -hmm. find this podcast. So that's what this is really all about. So until Mm -hmm. next week, I guess. Yeah. Thanks ladies. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.